Okay, that's another ghost in our rearview mirror. Thank goodness. Yeah, time to continue down to the spooky forest road with all this haunted spooky stuff to our spooky, mysterious Halloween Yeah, this suspiciously silent woods. Yes, where there's no sound design. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh my god, what's that over there? It looks like the Crypt Keeper? (laughs) It's me! (laughs) (laughs) Not the direction I was going in, but who are you? (laughs) I'm your guest, Christy Brannon. Oh shit! On that note, let's start the theme music. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I'm that's sorry, great. There was so much of a pause. I thought that that's no, what it was. You should have seen my face because I was like, "Do you want me to do the laugh, or, I, you, or are you implying that Christy is the is the crypt keeper?" No, I was okay. A peek behind a peek behind how the sausage is made. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's how that phrase goes. Yeah. Um, is that I was starting to Gabe, so he was gonna do his Joris Carter Oates Crypt Keeper character. Yes. But I threw it to him, and he gave me like this wild look of like, oh no, what? No, I was like, wait, is that a, like? Are you? I really thought I'm like, I guess. And Christy picked up on the pause, me like, just I went for it. Christy fucking took up the yes hand. <laughs> no, I thought you were referring to her as a Crypt Keeper. I did too. Okay, so. Yes, exactly. It all worked out. And so here, here's your keeper laugh of the week. It's your, your Joyce Keller Oates care. Yeah, like here's <laughs> like. Hello, boys! It's me, Joyce Carol Oates! Ew. Oh, no! <laughs> there she and is. I, and yeah. And that's, uh, and that's exactly how we start that's the show every week. That's how it was supposed week. to go. This, uh, welcome, dear listener readers. Hello, everyone. To Slow Readers. Your weekly fast-paced literature podcast. Brought to you by Top Gallant Radio. Here, the conversation is always on books. Here, the episode is always basically like a 30-minute uh, game of gr- uh, Gatekeeper with some book talk around it. Pretty much now, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Let's Love call it, it. Gatekeep- Gatekeeper and Noble. <laughs> okay, I'll take Does it. Does that make sense? Sure. Barnes and Gatekeeper? Gatekeeper and Company? That's not gar- Gatekeeper? Ga- goal people? All right. Speaking of not oh being God. able to talk, let's let's hurry this along because we have a guest. Who's we, the we drunk one in the room? Not me. I actually just started. Oh, good for you. <clears throat> um, that said, who are you, guest? Ho- guest? Yeah, guest. You. Daniel pointed to me and said, who are you, guest? Gabriel, 181 <laughs> at weeks in a row, you have been the guest. <laughs> yes, apparently. This is Daniel's, Daniel's slow reader. And I am the Z. Yeah. Um, hello, listeners. My name is Gabe Mara. I'm a comedian every now and again. I'm a writer and a podcast producer. And one of these days, I'll be able to make you a fine cocktail, Mm-mm. but not yet. I can have cocktails. <laughs> yeah, I can make them for him. you. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like there. Yeah, you, you get the royal treatment. Yeah. Co-host, who are you? I'm Dana Gonzalez, Gonzalez, Gonzalez. An audio producer, editor, writer, and an author of speculative fiction. Yeah. And Gabriel... As we continue down the spooky haunted path of Oatstober, mm-hmm. we got another fucking guest. Yeah, we do. And we got a returning one this time. Returning champion. Third time. Third time. Third time. Yeah, third time. Uh, uh, we have our one of our favorite guests, Christy Brennan. Hey. <laughs> Yay. Audience Christy, clapping. three Pete Brennan. Three Pete. Uh, uh, Christy, uh, uh, at world's end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that, that yeah? That's the that's one. Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that the yeah, name? That, yeah, at World's End. <laughs> okay, I, I it's kind of so. Krista. You're a huge Pirates uh, fan. Is that the name? Is that the actual name of it? Is just World's End at World's End? At I think World's it's, End. I I don't know. I um, I think it's at World's End. There's also the Simon Pegg. Movie. I was I was yeah. thinking the Simon Pegg movie. <laughs> yeah, that's also a yeah. three. So 
Okay. What's you the win. Na- well, okay. Okay. Gabe, you would know this. What's yeah. the name of the Simon Pegg movie? On the World's End. The World's End. Yes. So is it at World? All right. That's going to be... All right, that's the new subject of this episode. What is the yeah. name of that third one? <laughs> While Daniel looks uh, us up, guest, please introduce yourself to listeners who might not know you. Uh, I'm Christy Brannon. I podcast, and I'm a comedian, and uh, sometimes I write stuff. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and you do the incredible podcast, uh, It's All Downhill. That's right. Yes, of which we have both been a guest. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, right. I, I was on it this past week, uh, and which by the time when this comes out, yeah, I mean it's it's clearly going to be out. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, that said, um, I do want to say, Christy, uh, I'm very disappointed that you cut out our, my two favorite conversations where we were talking about Henry Cavill painting Warhammer figurines, Ugh. and and how much we 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 find uh, uh, children uh, just unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, <laughs> I know, I know, I I. Um... Sometimes things don't make it that are still <laughs> the best parts, but I'm just like, should I keep this part where he actually talks about being a, a creative writer and his uh-huh. methods, or do we talk more about Henry Cavill and how just unnaturally hot he is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Cavill. Is it Cavill? Yeah. I think it's Cavill. Cavill. I, you I know like, what? I wanna, uh, Henri yeah. Cavill. I'm going to lean into it. He's Cavill. There are sure. too many okay. words that I've only seen written down and not heard, <laughs> and that's yeah. one of them. <laughs> that's the slow reader's story. I mean, that's basically what it is. Um, we're going to get into this moment, but uh, one of our previous guests, Katie, uh, she she like had a Katie list. Katie Ann Kometz. Katie Ann Kometz. She uh, had a list of like authors, like, like famous authors in the past. She's like, I don't know how to read any of them. And we're like... Kate, I think she she only had problems reading Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. but like the rest of them was like Emily Bronte, William Faulkner. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just you like, you know what? That's uh, okay. Katie works in the visual medium. It's totally fine. Um, all that being said, everyone, here's the last important thing about our intro. Yeah, please, if you have a moment, if you think our show is even remotely entertaining, take one second to go on Apple Podcasts and write a review for this show. We need your reviews more than anything else, and even be. Beyond that, Daniel and I just love reading your reviews. Yeah. Apparently, there's a strange wall where English UK reviewers don't appear on our iTunes, but mm-hmm. apparently they're real. And be like Felix Taylor, the yes. troll widow. Who? Be like Kiara mm-hmm. Tal- Talent. Talent? Yeah, Kira Talent, but it's like A-N-T or something like that. And be like Johnny No Thumbs. Oh my god, yes. Review our show because we love you. Yeah, Christy, have we talked about Johnny No Thumbs to you before? That does not sound familiar. He's basically our mascot. Yeah, oh. he, he is. Like basically, because like one of like probably like our third review ever for this show. I think our first review by someone who wasn't someone who knew us. It was either the first or second. I forgot what it was. Yeah, uh, maybe first. Um, but like we just got a review out of nowhere. It is one star. The headline, uh, as per usual. As per usual, ellipses. <laughs> body of the rev- body of the review. Ellipses. These guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and we've embraced that yes! so hard. Oh, I, can you put yeah. that quote on some marketing? That's good. <laughs> no, I've threatened to put that on a yeah. mug. I and want it on a t-shirt. t-shirt. I want. Right, I, I believe I owe you a sweater of a of, of like in in Lisa Frank font that says "It's me, Christy." <laughs> with stars on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That's fantastic! Yes. <laughs> so we, well, the merch is incoming, everyone. Yeah, the, we get we get all of our merch ideas from like three and one star reviews. Yes, I mean, that's that's where they all come. That's from. how you have to do it. That's how it is, and yeah, I'm happy about that. That one's so, Daniel, so good. Of which, it's such a good review. Do we have any new reviews this week? No. God. God. 
fucking damn it! But uh, our old, our new show best friend Felix Taylor from Felix! from the from uh, Eng- I almost said London from England. Liverpool. Is he not from Liverpool? Yeah. Did we make that up? Wait, no. Wait, I forgot. One second. I literally have his address here. I'll look it up. Oh, he sent his address so we can send him some... Yes. And also, he got his envelope because I fucking sent him a bunch of fucking stickers. Oh, you already did? Yeah, I did. And I sent... Oh, word. Good for and you. And I, I had the... Uh, the vi- <laughs> um, uh, the uh, 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 Beverly Cinema... What's it? Tarantino Cinema. New Beverly. New Beverly Cinema. Um, you can also, you can get like a lot of like really cool like movie uh, postcards that they give out there. Mm-hmm. I had the one... And I hung up a bunch of them on my wall but like I have one for like Videodrome sure which like is a movie I like but like I don't really remember so I don't want to just like hang it up did but you send him that yes <laughs> <laughs> with no indication that he likes Videodrome no I was like I was like hey man and I sent it to him and he's like cool yeah guys um if you review our show it can be a bad review we don't care <laughs> yeah. we'll send you our legendary Joyce Carol Oates Quaker Oats stickers. Christy, do you want some stickers? <laughs> if they're Quaker Oats, Joyce Carol Oates ones, yes. Yeah, it's a Quaker Oats container <laughs> of Joyce Carol Oates drawn on it. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. So, yes. Yeah, so yeah, oh, I'll send fine. you some of those. Yeah. Here we go. Do, 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 do. One second. I'm not going to read your whole address uh, on this thing. That'd be funny. What? Uh, he's in Oxford. Oh. Yeah, my geography of England isn't just like Inspector Lewis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Good job. Dead I, I, reference. I, I gotta be honest, I already forgot what story we read for this episode. That's fine. Um, that said, let me segue. I thought you were gonna read a bit of it. What, the story? No, what, his email. No, I was just looking at his address. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he was happy with the thing, and he suggested... He actually gave me... Oh, speaking of segues, that was a segue I was looking for. Yeah, that's what um, I'm here for. Is that he is that he said... Uh, he was like, oh, here's this article in the New Yorker that's all about, like, Doris Carroll Oates. Cool. Um, it's really fucking cool. Oh, I forgot the title by now. I took a bunch of notes from it. It gets, like, really, is it like... J. Cole ain't fucking around no more? Uh, close. <laughs> Do, 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 do. It is called The Unruly Genius of Joyce Carol Oates. The The subtitle of that is that describes it. I don't know what you call that. That's basically um, the same thing. In an era that fetishizes form, Oates has become America's preeminent fiction writer by doing everything you're not supposed to. Hey. And that said, even though this is our bajillionth time doing Joyce Carol Oates, uh, I have some uh, neat little snippets to kind of uh, 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 say about Joyce Carol. Oh, Oates. let me close out that that thing though, quick. So, um, yes, once again, listeners, please send us reviews. Be just like Felix Taylor, <laughs> yeah. who we love, and we'll send you stickers because we love you. <laughs> Daniel, continue. That, that we're gonna do this every week, by the way. That yeah. exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. And uh, and uh, I guess Christy, um, I don't think we've done. What stories did we do with you? Um, uh, let's see. For the Joyce Carol Oates one, or just in general? Oh no! no for I, you, with you, we did the we did a murder bot book with you. Yeah, we did what a murder bot, and, and we did the things they carried. things they carried. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those are good times. So yeah. just uh, <laughs> two out of two. Now three out of three. Really nice, uplifting, <laughs> normal stories. <That's> <laughs> yeah, it's chill vibes. Oh yeah, no, that's the that's the slow readers. Just a slice uh, of life, promise. I would say, if yeah, I wanted to just group them all together. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like lo-fi on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just some just some real easy jams, huh? Oh, no, yeah. they're hard. They're, hard they're jams. Fucking hardcore. <laughs> Hardfi. Uh, but that's it. Let me tell you some bits about Joyce Carol Oates. Please do, uh, Christy. Um, well, first off, again, like the real basic things we want to talk about is that she was born in upstate New York. I always mm-hmm. think that she. I keep thinking that she was a Southern writer for some reason. The first like several years. There's but, like Southern Gothic elements to what she does. There's this interesting thing with like upstate New York and like the South that. It's like, yeah, they kind of like blend together. Sure. Um, that said, uh, uh, but yeah, she was born. She's born in like like a little like rural kind of thing. But Bob's, she was super gifted. She was valedictorian when she graduated at Syracuse University. Good job, Joyce. But uh, I wrote down some like random notes and whatnot. I'll hurry this along because usually it's not as fun to keep uh, a guest silent <laughs> while they're just listening to me uh-huh. read shit. Um, so here's some interesting facts from Joyce Carol Oates, especially the early times. Wonderful. Uh, some of her earliest work, for example, is the Wonderland Quartet, which was very successful. Sure. Uh, it features the award-winning novel Them, which mm-hmm. everyone knows is about giant radioactive ants. Giant ants. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not that's not true but there is a movie called them that I grew up watching which is about giant radioactive ants yeah she also wrote um, uh, an entire book series about the the hist- a book one book about the history of John Mulaney's family <laughs> nailed it she also wrote she wrote a novel called the accursed which is a historical fiction story with vampires so I don't Sweet. know I mean I have no idea what that would be. Yeah, listeners, obviously, we're <laughs> huge fans of this lady, yeah, so... And I know a lot about her. Um, her first debut, no- her debut novel was 1964's With Shuddering Fall. Hmm. Oates was 26 at the time. That's how old we are. And Yeah, we're all 26, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, uh. And I own a copy of With Shuddering Fall. I actually have like, this really old uh, 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 mass paperback of, of it. And if I, ever su- if I ever wanted her to sign anything, it would be that. <clears throat> Solid. Her, her first, she quotes in her memoir, uh, The Faith of the Writer, her first full length novel was called The Cat House. She composed it as a child. Uh, it's a combination of text, drawings, and scribbles. Uh, and basically, the characters were all upright chickens and cats. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, or, yeah. I, I found a whole collection of uh, my stuff that I did in kindergarten and like yeah and it's like I was kind of doing the same thing it was about my hamsters uh, <laughs> solid but uh, next uh, when Jayco was eight her grandma gave her the Alice books to read sure um, and basically yeah even though she was like already reading like classics I don't know if like they were the actual classics this was like 1940s you know I don't know yeah. but like yeah she was already reading classics but like Alice was the first character she kind of identified with yeah I'm, uh, apparently I'm uh, reading Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and through the looking glass like like blew her fucking mind wide open yeah damn that and like uh, that and like the nonsense poetry and like the language and everything sure yeah, his yeah, syllogisms syllogisms <laughs> Uh, the writers she fell in love with when she was young and in w- many ways continues to love are because uh, uh, Katie and Kometz read a partial list. This is the full list that she lists in her memoir. Uh, Lewis Carroll, Emily Bronte, Kafka, Poe, Melville, Emily Dickinson, William Faulkner, Charlotte Bronte, Dostoevsky, and Twain. Don't know any of those. Yeah, they're very obscure people. Hmm. Um, her, f- <laughs> her friend... Oh, well, actually, I'm sorry. Here's an interesting thing referring to last week. Her earliest beloved poets were Lewis Carroll, Walt Whitman, and Robert Frost. Hey! She she loves Robert Frost. The mm. poetry. Sure. No. You, you, <laughs> so, Christy, last week's episode, we discussed a story called Lovely Dark Deep, which was a fictionalized um, interview with Robert Frost, and it paints him as this, like, blundering, boorish fat sad old man yeah <laughs> and you don't you don't write a story like that unless you truly love that author yeah hmm. it, 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 
It's it, I highly recommend it. It's actually really good. Uh, I it's very much like like the this this kind of like a this narrator who may or may not be some kind of like she might be real or she could be a ghost. I don't know. Uh, but like she basically like dresses down Robert Frost and kind of accuses him of things that actually happen and like he kind of gives lousy responses and then eventually he like falls on the ground clutching his notebook of poetry as a shield. Anyway. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know he was such a dick. Yeah. But like yeah. good for her, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm about it. Yeah, I highly recommend that. It's if you want to read, it's available on Harper's website under Lovely Dark Deep. Mm. Yeah, uh, a, a few more, um, just a few more, I promise. Uh, her friend John Gardner, author of Grendel and mentor to Raymond Carver, by the way, sure, uh, once suggested many years ago that she write a story where quote things go well. This has not happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is it this one? Even though, again, she is stupidly prolific, like literally putting out several books a year, whether it's a novel, a novella, short story collection, several books a year at minimum. Daniel, it's time for you to tell your Joyce Carol Oates joke. Okay, the, jo- okay, the Joyce Carol, I was actually going to uh, skip over it. Nope. Chris, Christy, this is the first time you're hearing this joke, so I- I'll feel less bad. Um, <laughs> what if I don't laugh? <laughs> <laughs> then I will feel terrible. I'll feel terrible and maybe with shame repeat it again next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ready. Okay. So, Joyce Carol Oates, like I said, she puts out several, literally several books a year, right? And I've always made the joke, and, and, you know, I don't mean this in, like, a grotesque way or a mean way, but eventually when she does, you know, pass away, she's going to slow down her pace to one book a year. <laughs> All right. Hey! Well, hey! Daniel, uh, redeemed. I'll be a little less shameful next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just a, just a few more, and these are all, yeah. So in 1968, she's quoted saying she wants to publish, quote, a long work with many characters, many events, a jagged and unclean pol- uh, plot closely tied in with reality. This describes every novel. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> all of her long novels, that's what that is, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, speaking of long novels, uh, 2020's Sleep, Death, Night, The Stars is Oates' 49th novel. That's amazing. Damn. Not including... Books written under pseudonyms. Under S- synonym. Pseudonyms? Pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was like, I said it. I was like, that doesn't sound it's, right. It is like uh, a synonym for a person. Yeah. yeah hey. The, yeah. That's the, the word sounded very long. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's written more novels than there are presidents in United States history. Wow. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. Joyce, you got this. Yeah, she's fucking busy. You know, uh, <laughs> in 1977, last one, Rotes, uh, Oates, not Rotes. <laughs> Joyce Carol Rotes. In 1977, the year Star Wars came out. Oates wrote in her what, journal. What? What? what <laughs> is it the year Star Wars? Star Wars. Don't know what that. Okay. No one. You might be. Confused. You mean the year Annie Hall came out? Oh, that's. I want to bring that up. Never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you're the one who loves that movie. Uh, <laughs> Continue. <laughs> in 1977, Oates wrote in her journal that her work turns toward what she calls, quote, the central, centralizing act of violence that seems to symbolize something beyond itself. Love it. And that said, I will stop talking about Joyce Carol Oates for today. Well, for the moment. <laughs> for the moment. So yeah. uh, at this moment, I could turn this to you, Christy. Do you know who Joyce Carol Oates is? Do you have any familiarity with her? Um. Okay, so... This I was thinking about this, and it's gonna sound real shitty. Uh oh. Um, I did know who Joyce Carol Oates was, and all right, there's two things basically. One, growing up not knowing who she was at all, like I kind of just thought of her as like the female contemporary of all of those, like you know, the type of like edgy, um, plain talking 
dude writers that you love when you're a teenager, like Vonnegut and Bukowski and stuff like that. I just thought she was the girl one of those. (laughs) Okay. Uh And also reading this, learning that she did a lot of like horror type things, I assumed she was going to be like, I was kind of excited because I was like, maybe it'll be like another Shirley Jackson kind of a thing. Ooh. Um, And how did that go? mm, I think she was a a little... (laughs) She's, I think I'm a little too hard on her, and I think I would have really loved her when I was a teen, but I think mm, she okay. is a little bit more of the former than the latter. <laughs> Interesting. You know what? This one does have a very different feel. So, like, yeah, It really does. So that's it. I, I'm going to turn this back to Christy real quick. If possible, Christy. It was still on her. Can you? Yeah, but <laughs> I, I felt like it was turning away. It's like, no, no, back on her. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Head no, on a swivel. Mm-hmm. Christy, uh, if, if possible, can you give like a brief of a synopsis as possible as what happens in the, the Corn Maiden colon a love story, right? Oh, Ooh. is it? Uh, yeah, I guess the, it is kind of, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. Uh, the Corn Maiden colon a love story. From the collection, The Corn Maiden and Other Nightmares. Yes. All right. Um, am I allowed to do spoilers or, or is it brief oh, as possible? Oh, please do. Okay. S- spoil away. Well, um, basically some uh, like teenagers, I guess, they're kind of middle school kids. Uh, the eighth graders? One girl gets like, goes crazy and gets obsessed with this like ancient... Um, Native American ritual and then she sort of like extrapolates her own version of that by kidnapping a little girl and treating her as a sacrifice Um, and then in the meantime while she's like hiding her away preparing her for the sacrifice uh, the town starts looking for her because she's missing and her mom is a single mother and she's very worried about that and her like computer teacher guy that wasn't really that involved in her life gets framed for the disappearance and uh, then eventually uh, she gets found because the crazy girl is like it's time and then kills herself (laughs) (laughs) yeah that, that's a good that's a good summary yeah that's it that's that's the story to be Gabriel is there anything you want to add to that um boy uh i think this is a really really this is kind of a departure for me anyway from everything i've read of hers mm-hmm. but it's it's 100 percent pure joyce carol Oates action mm-hmm. of shifting perspectives occasionally confusing narration yeah. very very almost abstract writing where there's a lot of use of we and then shifting the we to um other character names mm-hmm. but mostly it shifts back and forth between long swaths of the kidnapped girls the kidnapped girl's name is marissa bantry Mm-hmm. And we shift mostly from the perspectives of Jude, who is the awful, plain-faced, rat-faced, red-headed girl who is the mastermind behind the operation. Uh-huh. Leah Bantry, who is Marissa's mother, and her ongoing terror. And um, Michael, M-I-K-A-L, like a douche. Uh, <laughs> Zalman, yes. who is the accused, um, like a... Uh, accused computer teacher Mm -hmm. so basically it's this shifting narrative between mostly these three perspectives we don't really get much perspective from marissa the corn maid and the kidnapped girl but it's a shifting perspective of this horrible crime from a very internal uh non-direct discourse point of view yeah uh yeah yeah i mean that's 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 what it is it's it's 
I don't want to get too far it's into up, bro. Our, <laughs> my feelings on this or anything like that. But yeah, clearly this this is like an interesting thing where it's not exactly because we've been reading stories and they've kind of dipped into some of her more pulpy stories and some of her more literary stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like, yeah, I feel this one's like almost in the middle. And stylistically, Chrissy's not wrong by saying this one's weirdly like plain spoken. It's it. I don't know if it, I wouldn't call it plain spoken personally. I would say Christy? more. I think a better way to put it is contemporary. And I, I think plain spoken is something that I'm getting from like when when you're introduced to character to people that write like Kurt Vonnegut in high school. It's like during the school day, you have to read like the the Scarlet Letter dude talk about trees for five Hawthorne. chapters and then you're like <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut just said butthole and he drew an asterisk and <laughs> that was a chapter one. so <laughs> I love it so much no I contemporary is a great way to put it as as listeners will know and as Daniel and I know Joyce Carol Oates loves hopping from style she's a real chameleon that's one of her gifts that she can write in the vein of Poe she can write in the vein of um, Shirley Jackson but this one that no, I don't want to jump ahead to my personal thoughts on it but uh-huh. I'm, re- I'm halfway through reading it I'm like what was first this or Gone Girl <laughs> this this was first. Gone yeah. Girl was twenty twelve. Yeah, this uh, this story. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't say this. This uh, novella um, was uh, pu- was originally published in two thousand five. Oh, it, five. I thought it was twenty eleven. Uh, the the book came out in twenty. Oh, okay. Uh, and also, um, yeah, this story won the Bram Stoker Award. So yay, Joyce! Yay! <laughs> yay! This uh, the story like, reminded the me mail. of some true crime things, like the girls that interesting. Um, they tried to kill their friend because of a slender man thing or oh yeah there's one where yeah. these girls like kidnapped their friend and drove her to like a place that was rumored to be like a witch house in the woods and burned her alive mm-hmm. that That's was a real oats motif yeah no that, that a motif <laughs> <teeth, laughs> it's very much an, it's very much an oats teeth uh mm-hmm. where like uh the, she, the she, everyday evil of like outcasts yeah the banality of evil outcasts like people people who are vulnerable to being swayed by like predatory people mm. like uh, she one of her earliest um i don't even remember the story i used to think it was uh, where are you going where have you been but it's not that one but she was fascinated with uh, a real uh, murders that happened called like the pied piper kill like killings or something you mentioned like that. that last week what were those yeah okay the pied piper killings was basically um it was as you imagine some very oats kind of thing where like a more like rural kind of americana maybe sure. even california or something like that mm-hmm. but there was like this one guy a teenager did he lead a startup in who, silicon valley be, uh no this is before that so before then they just killed Nailed they it. got people killed um, <laughs> but uh, what, what they what they did what, what he did was that he would just basically convince people to like like come along because he would be like charismatic and pay attention to like outcasts and everything people who, who needed attention uh, you know attention and affection sure and basically no, he would just like convince people like like oh you should have sex and everything like that and eventually at some point it's like hey let's bring this girl out to the desert and it's like hey you guys should kill her and they killed her and then after the fact they would have to explain why they killed her and there's like and their big thing is that like well he told us to the solid manson know? deal yeah it, it's like a charles manson kind of thing mm. um so this is kind of like territory that she's explored several times and some of the stories that we've covered in this show mm-hmm. some of the other stories that i've read but yeah it, it's it, yeah it's, it's heavy like, um christy do you like like a lot do you read a lot of true crime stuff um, or listen to i i would say true crime podcasts are the my podcast of choice Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I find them often very difficult to get through. The last one I really enjoyed was Detective Trap because mm. it's about a... The protagonist is the detective who 
cracks the crime because otherwise, like, I mean, I enjoy a lot of really good ones, but the darkness of them kind of overwhelms me sometimes. Mm. Yeah. There, it's for me. I think uh, some of them I can't do it. Um, like I, there was one that like it would just be like very graphic or very like mm. when they're like interviewing the people that were affected by it. But if it's like mm. my favorite murder, or if it's just like here's the facts of a true crime, or like Dirty John loved that one. Yeah. Oh, Dirty John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those kind of things I like. Or I think it has Dr. to do with Death like Daniel. Yeah, I've heard that was good. <laughs> I need to listen to that mm-hmm. one. Anything yeah, that just like lets me sort of think about my anxiety about possibly getting kidnapped and murdered at any time as a woman <laughs> without thinking too hard about it. That's yeah. <laughs> that, that that's an interesting thing to me. I I have found and correct me if this is a wildly incorrect supposition that the majority of true crime fans are women and not men. Yeah. I mean, I I really think that it's like exploded as a sort of like I mean I'm definitely not the first person to say this. I'm just parroting what other people have said, but it's really popular with women because we're the ones that it happens to most of the time. That's a very good point. And and in a way where it's like, I don't know, like it, and I know that happens to everyone in certain ways, but when you picture men getting murdered, you picture them with agency. You picture the person who has getting who's getting murdered having agency and like mm-hmm. maybe the ability maybe he instigated it, maybe he has a weapon as well, like maybe it's gang related or something like that's what you picture and that's like statistically I think correct, but obviously not correct for everyone. But when you picture a woman yeah. getting murdered, you picture her helpless and tortured and that's how she gets murdered. So I think it's just more like more of a story there and also more of a thing to like ruminate about and be anxious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the presumptive narrative of a male murder is not of like victimization exactly. whereas with women it's always victimization. Yeah. Yeah, especially in terms of like yeah, you would imagine that you know, women getting killed, you basically it's like, "Oh, okay, that's a serial killer, you know, making himself feel like god by just like controlling people who are quote unquote less powerful than him." And when usually when you hear like a man was killed and it's like, "Eh, it's a gang thing or, you know, yeah. Fucking he got in someone's face and was crazy and someone yeah. got shot. Hockey dad like murder. Hockey dad murder. Or even that he was a a shitty man that was probably just gonna murder her anyway. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's that too. There's that too. And I'm again I'm not saying that like that's a hundred percent true or false or whatever. And sure, unfortunately the reason strokes. why I feel like I have to make a disclaimer is because men are so shitty that you can't even say something. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> not you Hashtag guys. Kill all but men. the people on the no, internet. No, dude. We're shitty. We're shitty too. It's the, it's fine. The uh the, <laughs> the no, like I was gonna say, like out of anything, uh unfortunately not to get too far ahead into like talking about how we feel about this, but like but, yeah, these are all Joyce Carol. Oats like, yeah, focuses. It's like it's like no. I think you maybe you didn't like this one, but like it's like I think you actually should try and read some of our other stories yeah, because this, this one might have been very much a This one might have been a bad like. fit for you, but I think a lot you would love a lot of her other stories because she shows she shows a lot more restraint in a lot of her other stories while also getting even darker. It's very cool. Yeah, Ooh, okay. and remember. And then that article. Way to pick a bad one for yourself, <laughs> Christy. That's funny because I was thinking this one was perfect for me because I, uh, I related so much to like di- just different aspects of it. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But and also yeah, just your, your like waist length, golden hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And you love corn. I love God, corn. I love corn. You know what? There was dude. no corn in the entire <laughs> story. I'm sorry. Not even one. It was one. such a disappointment. No, not Joyce. even a kernel, Daniel. 
<laughs> corn? When did I have corn? Uh, yeah, no. We'll get into that moment. But yeah, uh, also we didn't sell it uh, right off the bat. Um, but yeah, no, Christy, you, you did pick this. I kind of nudged you saying it's like, oh, yeah, I highly recommend, you know, like kind of picking a story that is readily available. And you did pick this. And what, what, and like the one, re- we've kind of been alluding to it, but like, why was the reason? Yeah, what, what drew you to this one? this one? Um, <laughs> it's stupid. I, uh, because you love corn. It said corn maiden. And there were a couple things. One, it was the one that I found that was recommended, but I also could find, like, I didn't, find any information about it at all so I was gonna go in blind and I wanted that Mm -hmm. and two because I thought corn maiden (laughs) sounds like I can relate to that I'm from Indiana let's go hey (laughs) you're the original corn maiden I I really thought you were gonna you're I thought you're gonna pull like a like a like a 70s comic bit of being like corn maiden I don't mind if I do (laughs) (laughs) that's basically exactly what happened I but knew yeah, it. Uh, but I am also very glad, honestly, because like I kept suggesting we read the Corn Maiden because the Corn Maiden is actually one of like her best received like short fiction stories. I think in more recent years, it's, so I find that very interesting. It, it is kind of interesting. This is one of her more popular ones. Yeah, like it in won the, the Bram Stoker Award. It's huge. In the in the Jeff Vandermeer book uh, that's on writing, uh, he this book is actually in it. <laughs> so oh, that's wow. cool. So yeah, like it's it's it is this is a very popular story. Weirdly, that is so interesting. Not to, yeah, but I mean, well, I tell you what. Before we start talking too much about our feelings, let's pump the brakes. Let's. We're gonna go to break. Bump the brakes. When, when we come back from break, we're forced to play a game. <laughs> a game. And a game. it's a fun game. A game. Ooh, a game. And and it's gonna be so much fun. I was gonna do a bit. I'm too tired to do it. I need to take a drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get it together, bro. I, I know. I'm trying. All I need to do is throw it to break, right? Yeah. Okay. So throw it to break. When we come back, we're gonna do a game. When we come back from that, we're gonna talk about our feelings, how we felt about the corn maiden. I love love story. it. Uh, so. Throw it to break. Okay. Hooray. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. Dear listener readers. This is slow readers. Too slow readers. Yeah. <laughs> you said you'd hit that beat before I could. <laughs> I usually say something else. You criticized me last week for not having the beat right. Yeah. Did you? I'm still Gabe. I'm still Daniel. I'm still Christy. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, I, for some reason I gave I gave the iPad a look like Christy, get on the thing, like as if you can <laughs> I, see us. I th- thought maybe I was supposed to say it too, um, and then I heard I thought I heard Gabe whisper. <laughs> no, that was Daniel whispering. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> we have very similar whispers. Yes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of whispering, yeah. now is the time for us to play a game. The Yin Yang Games Twin. <laughs> no, it's not that. Okay. It is a game we've been playing okay. and will probably continue to play for a while. Yeah, at least all throughout Oatstober. At least all throughout Oatstober. It is a game called Gatekeeper. 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 Season this sweat. is a... Yeah, I think I think Christy knows the song. Yeah. <laughs> Season Swift. Yeah. You're, you're age appropriate to like be super into Feist in 2004? Five? Four. Mm. Four? Like, I would say four. <clears throat> yeah. Great album. Yeah. Let it die, baby. Yeah, Christy doesn't know what we're talking about. Right. No. All right. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you're correct totally, on the age, but dudes. I never listened to Feist, really. We're, we're all super into it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> all right. That mm-hmm. said, uh, Gabe, do you want me to try and do the rules, or do you want to try and do the rules? I'll try and do the rules this okay. time around. Gabe's going to try and do the rules. Let's all right. Go. Everyone, here is our famous game, Gatekeeper. We're playing it PvP this time around, which PvP. is always joy. So what happens is I have an answer. It is a... 
um, a single kind of specific item, and in this case, it is a book to movie adaptation oh, shit. horror edition. Hey. So what happens now is you each start with ten points. In front of you are 10 gates. Mm. You will take turns selecting a gate one through 10, and whoever selects the gate um, has an option. Well, behind each gate is a hint or a clue, and you have an option to either pass or answer. Either way, you lose a point. If you try to answer and you get it wrong, you lose an additional point. The uh, um, other contestant has a chance to steal but at no cost, but then the gate moves on to them. The goal of the game is to win with as high a point count as possible, or just beat the other person, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Or or I can just have fun. Or I can just have fun. Participation. <laughs> My goal is always just to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to have fun, you guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually very accurate for me. <laughs> no, I, and that's why we appreciate you, Christy. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready um, okay. to play Gatekeeper? I'm ready. not ready. No, I'm not. I am ready. I'm kidding. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Let's see who goes first. Um, each of you select a number between 1 and 50. Christy goes first. Okay, uh, 23. Okay. I'm going to guess <laughs> 23. <laughs> also? <laughs> Wait, I meant 24. <laughs> okay. Christy goes first. The number was 18. Nice. All right. Or Christy, up to you. Do you want to go first or do you want Daniel to go first? Um, I'll go first. All right. Excellent. And just remember to keep uh, track of uh, your points with fingers. With your up. Fingers up. Keep track of mm. your points. Thank God I have all 10 fingers because otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> you have toes. And also yeah. because usually one of us forgets to say this. Start the theme Start music. Start the theme music. Okay. All right, Christy, please select a number between one and ten. Okay, seven. Seven. Seven, seven. Here's your gate. A famous pop singer made a controversial appearance in this series. Ooh. Christy, do you have a guess for this book-to-film horror adaptation? It's a series... Well, there are, you'll find out in another gate, but there is more than one iteration of this adaptation. Oh, okay. A famous pop singer. Um, is it... Oh, going for a guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I guess... No, please do. Mm, no, Des it's... Destroy it. Tear the game apart, Christy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the point of the game is that you're supposed to be able to answer it at any gate. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, okay. Well, no, this is a bad idea. Um, no, go for I it. I was going to say, is it Play like bold. the, the like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of one of the popular ones, like one of the conjuring ones. I feel like they have a lot of different versions of that movie hmm. with like the doll and the house and the cool seventies couple that solves the Warrens. Yeah. Um, Christy, are you asking me a yes or no question at the cost of three points? No. Or are you making no, a guess? Definitely not. My guess my guess is just, is it like, you know, a movie related to The, the Conjuring? Oh, you have to name a movie. Oh, God damn it. Um, yes. Never mind. I take it back. Okay. Christy passes. Pass. The cost of one point. Christy now has nine points. Daniel, do you want to make a guess at no cost? Uh, I will not make a guess, and I will pass without losing a point. Excellent. The yes. score is Christy nine, Daniel ten. Yes, and I pick a gate now. Gate shutters. Daniel, please select the number between one and ten. I and will pick the gate two. Gate dose. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Ah. Gate two. Chanced. Just like my life. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's a gambler. Just like in Bakuman. 
Gate 2. Coincidentally, the gruesome killings of Ed Gein happened a scant 35 miles away from where the author lived and worked. The author, who was nearly done with the book when the killings came out, added a reference to Gein in one of the final chapters. Hmm. So I guess this comes down to, Daniel, do you know anything about Ed Gein's killings? Sort of, but basically, like, ev- ev- like most post-Ed Gein-like killings... Is it Gein? That was Gein. I don't know. Christy, is it Gein or Gein? Yeah, you love serial killers. <sighs> yeah, but I only read it, so I would say Gein, but I also yeah, just right. have never heard it. <laughs> okay, well, let's just say Gein for now. Um, So here's the thing. He kind of influenced, like all serial killers after the same thing with like Jeffrey Dahmer you know mm-hmm. uh, you know to be honest I think I'll need to pass for okay. now because I honestly that's not enough I, I I mean that's I think the the time when this is coming out oh it is Gein I think I'm okay, sorry I thought it was Gein uh, <laughs> um, in a very so I checked on Reddit under Reddit serial killers and the top comment was here it's pronounced win spelling it Naguyan that was very funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. That was very funny. Uh, that's it. I think I'm going to pass, but okay. I think I have an idea <gasps> of what... of the, Yeah, I'm going down to nine points. I have an idea about what the, the thing is. But anyway. Okay. Christy, do you want to take a guess? Um, or do you want to pass at no cost? I'm going to... I'm going to pass at no cost. Okay. The score was nine to nine. Christy, please select another gate between one and ten. Let's do number five. Number five. Okay, this is a long one. Number five thinks I'm alive. Nice. <laughs> Initial reviews of the film were mixed. Bosley Crowther, the New York Times, wrote, There is not an abundance of subtlety or the lately familiar trademark style of the director bent towards significant and colorful scenery in this obviously low-budget job. After the public response and millions and millions it made in box office, the critics reassessed it positively. Crowther ended up putting it in the top films of the year. Wow. This doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, None I can of this always any helps gates. Me. Yes. I can um, repeat any gate you like. I think I remember them. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's the, the Amityville house. I don't remember what the, the title is, but you know it. You know the one I I'm talking about. The Amityville Horror. Yeah. Um, Christy, your answer was incorrect. <laughs> you lose two points. Your score is now seven. All right. I can deal with that. <laughs> Daniel, um, do you want to make an attempt? Uh, I don't think so. I, I tell you what, but I'm You're gonna the f- biggest fan of Bosley Crowther I know. I know. I know exactly who that is. Um, you wrote three biographies on him. I, I'm going to move on to the next gate, and then I have. Then I want you to repeat some of these. Some of these. Uh, Sounds guesses. good. That's what they're called. Score is seven to nine, right? Uh, yeah, I'm at nine right now. Yes. She's at seven, yes. Daniel, select the gate, please. I select number one. Number one? Yeah. All right. Gate one. The book came out in 1959, mm. and the movie came out in 1960. Shit. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is because here's here's my thinking. I was thinking that like, is it possible? I almost I, I would have guessed that this was going to be Thomas Harris's like uh, Hannibal 
uh, series. Sure, not but a bad guess at all. The only thing that, that made me not select that was the fact that you said what, a, a pop singer shows up in... Yes, yeah, somewhere in the series. Yeah, somewhere in the series. And that was when it's like, I don't think across the film and TV show adaptations a, a pop singer has pop. I don't, I don't think so. Mm. But like, so that's the only one that, that's the only reason why I didn't guess that, right? Um, so the book came out in 1959. Yes. The movie came out in 1960. Yes, indeed. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a... Uh, um, hmm. it, it also, because, uh, uh, Chris, I don't know if this is what you were thinking, but, like, usually, like, the, the big, like, serial killer, like, slasher horror stories were, like, in the 80s. So this is, like, well before that. Mm. Yeah. This is, bef- this is before Halloween. This is before The Thing. This is before something else that rhymes with Ian. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Inferno, comma Green. <laughs> oh man! Plus, also, um, so Ed Gein, that stuff happened in like 1958, 59. Mm-hmm. Damn, 57, wow. I believe. I did not know that. I actually thought yeah. I thought because I was thinking I thought like that would have lined up with the Thomas Harris thing. No, I thought that was the 80s. That wasn't. Mm-mm. Oh fuck! Fuck me! That's something I didn't know. Incorrecto. Damn it! Okay, I tell you Incorrecto. what. I'm going to pass and lose a point. All right, Daniel, down. your score is eight. Christy, your score is seven. Do you, Christy, do you want to make an attempt? Um, okay. Do you want to make a run at the king? We know it's a 70s horror movie now, right? No. Or 60s? What did you say? 60s. 1960. <laughs> 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 oh, like, I'm going to agree chance to let just be like, sure. I just... <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't think you guys knew this about me, but I... You were born in 1960? No. I never watch horror movies because they're too scary, and I Aww. want to, but I can't watch them alone, so I, like, know <laughs> about the ones that exist that I ought sure. to watch, but I don't. <laughs> well, well, to be perfectly fair, um, I, I made sure this is a very, very famous movie. Yeah. It, it, it is not even remotely an obscure film. And how many things from 1960 are scary, except for my <laughs> parents? <laughs> hey! <laughs> Just kidding. They're both I'm going to pass yeah. and get more clues. All right. But now so I, I do feel is... like it's narrowed down to things that are probably on a list of things that I ought to watch but haven't yet. <laughs> so Daniel's eight. You are at seven, Christy. Christy, on to your next gate. Okay. What have we? Let's do number one. Um, we already did number one. Oh, we did? Damn it. Yes. Uh, Your open gates do. are three, four, six, eight, and nine and ten. So you have a lot of gates. Let's do number three. Number three. Okay. The book has two sequels and an unofficial third one. And the film has three sequels and a remake. Wow. Gatekeeper. Mm, more than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote at the, at the top of my page. I named it Great Peeper, but I like that too. <laughs> um, Crypt Keeper. Great, great Peeper was uh, Gabe's nickname in New York, by the way. Yeah, great. You know what? I was all about hiding in those grates and trying to lure little raincoated boys. 
Ugh, that sounded way worse than it should have. <laughs> Thematic, though. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you look back in time, it's like, man, was I a monster? <laughs> Boy, I must, I must have been terrible. Was I, I was a literal like a... monster? Was I an actual <laughs> metaphorical embodiment of evil? Was I? <laughs> Gosh, we sure do funny things when we're young. <laughs> Back when it was okay to lure small children in <laughs> the It was a different time back then. <laughs> okay. This was before Me Too. Yeah. <laughs> before cancel culture, I was allowed to do things. <laughs> now my career is ruined. Oh my god. Thanks, SJWs. <laughs> Christy, do you have a guess? Gosh, okay, there's a... Um, I wish I could think of the name of it. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> try to describe it to see if I can come up with it. There's um, a movie that I'm thinking of that I want to say that is it, but it's probably not where there's an exorcism involved, but it's not The Exorcist. Interesting. It's like the... Starts with a C. But not the craft. So I'm gonna have to pass. <laughs> hey, we pass are the weirdos, and, mister. And see if it, like comes to me or I find out that it wasn't that anyway. You can still pass. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pass. Okay, Christy, your score is now six points. Daniel, do you want to make a run at it? No, I, I don't really have Daniel, any guesses at this point. Daniel, no. So okay. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start uh, selecting one. Okay, Daniel, so... Um, I'll select gate number nine. Number nine! Feeling fine. Okay, gate number nine. This one has a bonus clue mm -hmm. if things start going awry. But I'll give you the, the normal one for now. Okay. The remake was a notorious flop. Oh, that doesn't help. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, damn. All right. I gotta be honest. Like I'm, I'm like really. I mean, I'm assuming this is something very popular that's gonna be like, oh, obviously that. Duh. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know what this is. Oh, you do. <gasps> Yes, I do. All right, and it's it's. To be fair, I'm wearing reflective sunglasses, and Daniel can definitely see my phone. Yeah. <laughs> plus, uh, plus, uh, when when Christy was taking her turn, I I violently grabbed Gabe's wrist and looked at his phone. Yes. <laughs> Which is why I don't write the answers on my phone. Quiet wrestling. But I I know what this is. You do. Oh my god. All right, Gabe. Yes, Daniel. This is Psycho. Daniel. It's Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I you was win. so far away from that. I would never have ever <laughs> where were guessed you thinking? that. Yeah, Chrissy, um, where were you? Gosh, I, I can't even like think of the name of it. It started with a C from the 60s? Yeah, what, what was that? Describe it. Was it Crow's Mary's Baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, no, it, it's um, <clears throat> something to do with like a priest and he has to like go investigate and find something, but it's the not The Exorcist. That's a lot. There's Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's actually a pretty good one. Those are, those are recent. Exorcism, um, that's Exorcist 2 also, I think. Exorcist 3, which is the, 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 the second best Exorcist movie. That also had a remakes that weren't very good. Mm. Or, yeah, more recent ones. I'm going to Google I, I, horror movies about priests and see if I can find here. The Omen has a priest in it. I mean, you know what? Like, I think it might be The Omen. Mm. I think it was The Omen. I've Maybe. never seen The Omen. I've seen that. Like, I mean, Gregory Peck's in it, of all, of all fucking people. Atticus fucking Finch is in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you don't... Yeah, if... it's that. That's what I was thinking. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Because that's uh, it, on my Omen? list of things that I ought to yeah, read. Yeah, well, what she was thinking. To watch. Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right, so um, here's some... Um, here's... <laughs> it also does not start with a C at all. 
It does not. <laughs> hey, if you if you kind of squint at the O, it kind of turns into a C. Yeah, yeah the there you go. The, yeah. the that definitely did have a what's it called a a, a, a recent remake that was not good. Mm-hmm. But here's the rest of your clues. Actually, um, before I even go through the rest of your gates, here's a fun fact that honestly I got really deep into because the author Robert Block spelled off an H at the end instead of a K. Very interesting person. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, for me anyway, this will be very interesting to our listeners who are apparently big fans of another author. Robert Block was a protege of H.P. Lovecraft. He was young enough that he was born in 1917, so he was like a big fan of Lovecraft. Lovecraft okay. took him under under his wing, and he's the only person H.P. Lovecraft ever dedicated a story to. <laughs> which which one does it say? I forget. It was in my research though. Okay. But he it, it's it's this kind of this wild thing there. That's interesting. Yeah, he was a really interesting character. He was also really critical of Robert E. Howard, which is very curious <laughs> to me. <laughs> okay, sure. Anyway, gate number four. There was a television adaptation of this book and movie, which would be Bates Motel. Yeah. Um gate number six was the film has a legendary twist ending. Okay. Uh, the pop star obviously was Rihanna, who was Marion Crane in the TV show Bates Motel. Oh, she was. Yeah, instead of um, she she played Janet Lee's character. It's controversial mm-hmm. because sorry, everyone. Spoiler for Bates Motel, which is a show I've always wanted to see. Actually, Freddie apparently had great reviews. I love Vera Farmiga. I love Freddie Highmore. Um, they do a complete subversion that um, uh, Norman has like a a moment of doubt. And he tells Marion to leave before he kills her. Instead, the male hero of Psycho, Sam, um, uh, Janet Lee's like love interest, he is the one who arrives at the place, and um, uh, Norman kills him in the shower. Okay. So it was really. I mean, everyone was waiting for Rihanna to get killed in the shower, and it wasn't her. It was the guy, which was a really. I thought it was a really cool idea. Ooh. Mm. Gate eight. The film was nominated for four Oscars: director, supporting actress, cinematography, and art direction. And Gate 10, the director was nominated five times for Best Director, but never won. Okay. So, Daniel, you have one gatekeeper. Congratulations. What are you going to do with all the prize money? Oh, man. I'm going to dedicate it to to my dear friend, Christy Brandon, who couldn't be here today. (laughs) 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 Um, Solid. Uh, uh, thank, yeah, thanks for playing, Christy. You're welcome. You're a worthy competitor. Yeah, I got to be honest. Like, I was completely... I had no idea until the very until that that all that sudden moment because I yeah I I was not thinking about horror movies like pre nineteen eighty so yeah yeah I love these games and also it's just fun to see how like what when you don't know what it is what dumb things that you think it's gonna be <laughs> that's always the best part when like when like like you started the clue by being like that makes nothing to me and then you connected the dot have you seen Psycho Christy I have. That's yeah. such a good fucking movie. Mm-hmm. The Psycho's legit fucking awesome. That's a yeah. that's a top to bottom amazing movie. Ha- has anyone seen like the sequels at all? I haven't no. seen a single one. Yeah, I think um the one YouTuber I like Oliver Harper kind of like blew through like like all like the Psycho se- actually no I think he did I think he did an episode of each of the Psycho sequels so I know a lot about them mm. but like yeah I've never seen them. What I yeah. want to know is are we supposed to think that Norman Bates is as hot as I do because well, I've always. Seen uh, seen that movie as like um, 
a real good comparison to like what a Hollywood leading man is supposed to be then versus now. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> Interesting. Because <laughs> now it's more Norman Bates, but before, obviously, it was the beefy investigator guy. boyfriend guy. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a really interesting thing about, about Hitchcock is that often his leading men were, they're always supposed to be every men. Even his perpetrator was. That you look at his leading men, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart and Anthony Perkins, who I am, I am not embarrassed to admit that I am about as straight as a boomerang. And uh Anthony Perkins, fucking wicked hot. That mm-hmm. guy was like like mad sexy. He was yeah, it was a very he was a very like pretty kind of soft looking guy. Like which mm-hmm. was uh, as as you've said, it's completely different. And uh, but, I like, mean Hitchcock... I would probably get murdered by him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but you'd be like you'd be like, hi, just say no, you're like really good looking. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently like, hi, hi, can you just instead of stabbing me, like how about you step on me? <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you stop eating candy corn for two seconds and just like put that mouth on me bro <laughs> you're like you're like listen i've never found taxidermy as interesting as right now yeah oh my god no i, I love the original psycho so much for me the scariest kill i mean everyone knows about the shower thing but when he kills martin balsam from 12 angry men that that's overhead the, that's shot detective, right? yeah when he yeah. when the stab on the stairs I, I think that movie is fucking Amazing. You know what the unfortunate thing is? I saw the failed remake. Yeah, I saw first. Um, I, I got really. Oh, you no. saw first. Yes. So like with the surreal kind of like cuts during the killing. Where like all of a sudden they started intercutting uh, uh, footage from uh, the Nine Inch Nails music video closer. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Like not literally, but yes, exactly. In my mind, it was literal, like because it looked yeah, just like it. It might as well have been. Yeah. Oh my god. Very straight up. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. Look, yeah, we we're could, a we long. could talk about Psycho for. I know this is like a horror Halloween thing. I kind of want to read the book now because I did not know it was based on a book. Unfortunately, yeah, I can't fucking do other books. We got to talk about Jewish mm, Cow. But we ha- we're going long, so we need to go to our feelings. So if you don't mind, mm-hmm. let's throw it to break real quick. Okay. And then we're gonna talk about our feelings. Christy, throw us to break. We're going to break. <laughs> Welcome back. Hi. Dear listener reader. How are you? Here's two. Slow readers. America's Fast Space Center Podcast. I'm still Gabe. I'm still Daniel. I'm still Christy. Yeah. And together we are... Captain Planet. He's a hero. (laughs) Gonna take pollution down to zero. Christy, when are we starting our Great British Bake Show Watch Along podcast? Oh my God, tomorrow. (laughs) Let's do it. Right. That's that's enough. Speaking of uh, bake shows, mm. we had a talk our about, about our, feelings. our feelings and eating our feelings and eating our feelings and burning small children alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's and right. In the, the oven, that's bake show related. That's very true. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about our feelings with the corn maiden. Mm. Uh, guest of honor. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, As I was reading this, I did make like some stream of consciousness notes. Awesome. Please read them without any editing. Then then I went ahead. uh, My favorite ones were, is this just Lord of the Flies but teen girls? Okay. Okay. Um, Yo, fuck Michael and his self-chosen alternate name spelling. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, oh, also, like, I had a real problem with him saying feeding my rat all the time. Uh, What's that supposed to be? 
It was, I think, supposed to be him being like, I'm doing this for me. But the whole time I was just like, is he masturbating? Is that why he wants to be alone so yeah. much? Like, not, not to interrupt you, um, Christy, but like I read the first part of the story last night while drunk. And so I picked <laughs> it up this morning and reading it. And I'm like, feeding my rat. Did I so miss many that? times? And I paged back and I'm like, no, I didn't miss anything. I wasn't that drunk. There was mm. not a proper ex- it was just a, a weird metaphor of his. No, yeah. he does he does say it. He he goes on a hike and it's he, there's a line that's like because I okay. I wrote this down. <clears throat> Yo, if feeding my rat doesn't mean masturbation, then why is he doing it alone and why does it sound so creepy? <laughs> And then I read the line where he goes on a hike and it literally has a line where he's like, this is it. This freedom. This is feeding my rat. And then (laughs) after that, I'm like, feeding my rat meant this freedom. That's a direct quote. And I said, (laughs) my reaction is just me. Okay. And then the eye rolling emoji. (laughs) That sounds like a really terrible Simpsons bit. God, I hate him. I don't know. No, I like that. I like that. The idea that. That, that like you're you're like it must be mean must be masturbation and I just keep thinking like usually euphemisms for for masturbation and male masturbation are very like illustrative where it's like feeding a rat and it's like how is that <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I'm like what does that mean if, even taking even, like, small pieces like, and just kind of going here yeah. you go <laughs> even like flogging uh, the dolphin has some kind of more sense to it flogging yeah I just I didn't like it uh. All right, this is my only other stream of consciousness thing, and then okay. I'll sum up sort of what I'm feeling. But um, the my favorite and most relatable line of the story: "Feral cats we fed, cool." <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I would join a cult for that too. That's <laughs> that's me. The lady um, loves feral okay. cats. Okay, I feel like so. I I was really going into it expecting Shirley Jackson. I don't know if you guys are that familiar with Shirley Jackson, but for oh, me... We, we do, we have always lived in the castle for the show. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I, I don't... Since you're both dudes, I don't know if you um, connected with it in the same way where I just really, truly, like, when it comes to horror writing, I love her because mm-hmm. I think that she really embodies this, like, anxiety and horror of being a woman in society in this visceral way. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I was going into this hoping that would be the case, and what I got was feeding my rat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but like this, that, that, that bums me out a little bit. Oh, so much because yeah, she oh, has so many works that are exactly <laughs> in that vein. Yeah, I would dare say that like Oates kind of almost does it better. This, this is the ex- this <laughs> but, is this is yeah, an, I, yeah, I mean, this is an exception, I I, unfortunately. Yeah. I think I think she's won me over enough to where I've realized I I also think I was just like being a little bit harsh in my judgments. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll probably read the re- I downloaded like from the library uh, the the book with all the short stories in it, so I'll probably read the rest of them. Oh, this book. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay. Are you using OverDrive, the wonderful free app that allows you to download almost any book from your local library? I do believe I am. We're not sponsored. I just love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That or like, I basically just Googled it and from the, you can actually just get like a library card with your phone number now. And yeah, then it's amazing. They'll give you the link. It's amazing. Mm. Um, um, Christy, before you go on, it's time for us to do our weekly um, uh, Joyce Carol Oates um, insistent recommendation. Um, you <laughs> must, you must read Blackwater by Joyce Carol Oates. It is, I'm, I'm sure it'll be available on Overdrive. It is, um, 
and like I think like we've talked about this on we, we did like three episodes on the book because it was so good, and it's like no we did one of Katie I'm, I'm, I'm certain we did, okay. and um it's one of the top five best books I've ever read in my life period. And Damn. It's, yeah, it's entirely about the Chappaquiddick incident where Ted Kennedy um, drunk drove and let a woman die in his car. And it's all from her point of view. And this is beautiful, poetic, heartbreaking story about like life seeping out of someone. Wow, I am going to read it, though. That Yay! sounds great. And I recommend <laughs> Ulysses by James Joyce. <laughs> of course you do. Sorry, Christy, please continue your thoughts. Uh, let's see. Okay, what else have I got? All right, so I thought it was pretty good. Um, it just wasn't like that for me, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But no, the, Also, I felt like I, I actually did like this story it, because it brought a lot of like familiarity with I think my adolescence where it was like it was just a combination of everything like you know she's I don't know if this is since it's sort of an isolated example of her but she's kind of mimicking that sort of like contemporary vaguely edgy sort of way of getting things across that I enjoyed from authors when I was a teenager and the way that the the Jude wants to like do a basically a ritual spell and she's just making shit up and being like yeah you know what else sounds cool like she can only eat white things because she wants needs to be pure like yeah. that just reminded me of you know when I was a kid I I would like take like you know I found like a four leaf clover and like a flower and like a tree leaf and then like muddle them together and it would be a spell like when I was I did a lot of that when I was a kid just for fun. No, I love and, that. Yeah, so that kind of thing. So something about it just like felt like sort of vaguely reminiscent of that and also true in that sort of way. So I enjoyed that. And I would also say like I um I think the ending for me was the most scary part of it. Does that make sense? Or which part because, of it? Like the so, epilogue almost? Or the, the, epilogue, or the climax? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the epilogue. So so I think what's interesting is I was thinking about this today, like, because I was thinking, you know, if I was reading this story back when I first found out about Shirley Jackson and was reading Shirley Jackson, would I be feeling it in the same way that I felt those stories, like, in my body? Mm. And I wonder, um, there's a sense of, like, well, so there's all this like talk when you're from the the adults perspective of sort of just these like being trapped by expectations and like they at the end they're just so tired <laughs> that Michael is like you know what I don't want to live for myself I just want to project and trauma bond onto this woman that knows what I'm from. Uh And Leah is already at this point preparing to lie to him, to tell him what he wants to hear. Because at the end, it's like, you know, it's talking about them and it's like, oh yeah, like he's, you know, I think it's from her perspective, like, yeah, he seems fine and like he's handsome in his own little way, but the way it describes him is not handsome at all. It's like, you know, (laughs) he's handsome in his own like greasy haired, slim face, rat, eyed way like Mr. Z is a master (laughs) and uh and 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 it's like you know and she's like ready to like just let him adore her 
And one day, maybe she'll lie to him and tell him what he wants to hear, which is that she never thought that he could possibly have done it. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that. And like, I just... A chill went up my spine just when you said that. Because, like, <laughs> the... the, the... Um, I I really don't mean to interrupt you, but for me, like like no, please. The, the the thing that's that the older I get, the more fascinated I am that like cosmic horror freaked me out when I was a high schooler, being like the world is big, existentialism is crazy. But the older I get, the more I'm fascinated by domestic horror, which is the sense that there's nothing scarier than realizing you don't know somebody. That I've known Daniel mm-hmm. for 20 years, but for all I know, Daniel is a serial killer, and I would never know that. You don't know? That, like, that was the whole key behind Serial, which I think that the reason why Serial is such a great story, the first season, is because it all comes down to one of them is lying, and we will mm-hmm. literally never know. Yeah. Unless one of them breaks. But that's the whole human condition thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, like the humanity of like of what we're capable of, not like not like Lord of the Flies capable of, but just the lies that we're capable of just chills me to the bone. Yeah. Well, especially for the sake of like, you know, trying to like feel safe and like appease people in a way that just feels like so like trapping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or or like and also like the little girl like she she won't even read kids books that's that are made for her own age because she doesn't want to be surprised yeah oof. you know and like i get it but also like god damn like that i think that whole thing was like really just terrifying sad and i you know not to get like too personal but like there was a time in my life where i i think in her place i probably would have felt that way too you know like Mm -hmm. i to give you comparison like me at a certain point in my life i probably would also be like you know what michael's fine uh and i would try to be like his pretentiousness means he's smart that's great uh and i'll lie to him so that i feel safe and comfortable instead of like you know out in the world like now comparatively i'd probably be like dude you gave your own yourself your own nickname and and it's stupid (laughs) (laughs) you feed your rat you fucking creep and also like oh you hate money good thing your parents don't or you'd be in jail forever now instead of thinking about getting an obsolete phd from an ivy league grad school (laughs) like Uh, so yeah, those are all kind of my feelings where it's like, wow, like the ending is actually the the most horrifying part of it is just the way that people are, the way that it, it did something to them where they're so trapped that they can't even live their lives for themselves anymore. They just have to play it so safe because they're so tired and so scared that they can't think to do anything different. They They won't risk it. Mm-hmm. And I never so want to be like that. Yeah. Cut to 10 That's years it. in the future. <laughs> that, that, and then my last point is just like, did anyone else think it was super weird that she continually called the Indian 7-Eleven clerk the Indian 7-Eleven clerk? Um. Like, he should yeah. have, like, I just, I thought it was, at a, at a certain point, it was like, does he not have a name tag? or anything <laughs> it, w- it was not important to leah yeah no no, it, no it entire- and, and that's true i have okay i have some i have thought about this actually let me roll give down us thought. give us thought let me just give you some real 
actual oh here's another we'll talk about this later but i want to make a comparison to margaret atwood oh fun hmm. in the whole female in the edgy teenage boys love them boys club writers <laughs> like i thought she was going to be shirley jackson she ended up being margaret atwood that's oh, that's where i'm at interesting okay yes um okay Here's what I wrote. Uh, it's we. I just thought it was weird that there was such an emphasis on calling the 7-Eleven guy the Indian clerk. Um, and I think it's because, like, she just keeps calling them that even when she's, like, he's nice, he's sympathetic, and she feels like she has this bond with him. And it's, it's like pages of her talking about that guy and what her relationship to him is and that they sort of vaguely knew each other. And when she sees him after Marissa goes mi- missing, she's like, oh, I wish I could, like, commiserate with him and give him a hug and, like, that. Like, it's one of those sort of, like weird social relationships where you see them often enough that if you saw them out of context you would maybe be like be my friend actually um and mm-hmm. she doesn't even like the book like why like the book doesn't even go to a certain point where he's just the clerk or the guy or you know raj like no nothing <laughs> uh it's always the indian 7-eleven clerk and i just at at a point after where she's like i wish i could hug him and be friends like it seems a little rude you know <laughs> and, and it like here's what i thought is like you could maybe say that the way that they constantly point that out is it highlights sort of a way that because of his race he gets stereotyped as like a seven an Indian 7-Eleven clerk and othered by Americans in the area. Even when he's viewed as a friend or a neighbor, he's still the Indian 7-Eleven clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also not willing to extend the that she did that on purpose. That's how I feel. <laughs> oh, if, if, if I'm and honestly, and if I may, then I think that's 150 percent on purpose that I think that uh, um. I find that all like really, really interesting because I think uh, what it comes down to is Joyce Carol Oates definitely takes the time to have him be like, like if if you were right, if this was a traditional mystery story and the revelation is that, oh, it was the clerk who knew who witnessed the thing. And she does add that little bit that that little bit of humanity. Joyce Carol Oates, the author, adds that little bit where the clerk's like well i would tell them i would have told the police more but they they i don't speak great english and they would have zeroed in on me and i just didn't feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. about it i don't feel like i i maybe i don't know anything that's George carol oates the writer whereas um leah as a character for me is the most interesting because I think Jude is Jude is a crazy fucking fireball like child of not no pun intended because <laughs> <laughs> but um, and and Michael is just fucking shit. I mean, I, he's fine. I don't I don't hate Michael. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like he's, I, in my his notes name. I say, Michael is harmless, but I still hate him. Hard yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say like both of you guys have been pretty hard on Michael. Michael's like not like the best. He perfectly symbolizes. Like he's a small town, like ruralish, like suburban mm-hmm. kind of thing, where he's like the eccentric one. He's not cool, oh. but he's just kind of like his own thing. Like no, yeah, but I, th- I think going back to my my point that what I think what what Oates does incredibly well, even though I didn't 
love it, but that was part of her aim, is that she spends so much time in these characters' heads by choice that so much of the first third of the story is Leah's reaction to realizing that Marissa's gone. That that it's 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 it makes you like doubt and damn her, even though you know she's innocent. Same thing with Michael. It's that she gets home and you go through the entire thought chain of her being like her her first thought is where is my daughter. Her second thought is what will this make me look like. Mm-hmm. The whole story from Jude from sorry from Aaliyah and Michael's perspective is all about how they make themselves out to be victims while this girl is gone that a lot of their interior narration done in a combination third and first person thing is like they're gonna judge me i have to give up my secrets they're gonna call they're gonna put my picture's gonna be on the news they're gonna it's it's all about their thing the the fate of the girl is very important but oh it's i'm sure on purpose compared to a lot of her other writing she spends so much time on the accidental human selfishness of these people Mm -hmm. that Leah is just as worried about how she's going to look as she is about her missing daughter and I think that's the thing when it comes down to to how Oates writes the Indian guy at the thing Leah doesn't care Leah Leah appreciates the fact that this guy might have broke the case and Oates gives us just this little hint of humanity to him. Maybe there could have been a whole chapter from his, from his perspective, but that's not what's important to the story. The importance is the strange and you see how, how it ends that it they end in a weird sort of fragile building f- many family truths built on trauma because what's important to them is how they feel about these things. We spend the whole story in their heads. It's not about the facts of what happened. It's all about the warped perspectives of selfishness in a case of extreme trauma. I like that actually. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I'll, 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 um, I actually want to pass before I go into my own thoughts on it. I want to pass Daniel. What are your thoughts on this topic of like the perspective? Oh no, it is a it is very much what Oates does. I mean, she primarily is a first person perspective kind of person, and her stories across the board have all been like extreme mm-hmm. uh, from their perspectives. Where we can have like characters like like Leah, who we just have like we, we you get in her skin and you feel what it's like. You feel her her pain, and all of a sudden she is guilty of kind of being an individual as opposed to like a solely dedicated mother yeah. like how people expect her to be and that's very similar mm-hmm. to another story that we covered uh feral mm. which is a which is a more of a, a grotesque almost horror story about hey you're a loving mother but you turned away for one second and now everyone's going to think of you as being oh you're the one that let that thing happen to your yeah. children um but yeah in this and then you have like the farthest extremes of this like for example the novel zombie which is written from in like the mind of a very, very, very troubled young man who's essentially based on Jeffrey Dahmer and, like, where, like, the language and, like, the format and typography are fucking all over the place and go wild once he gets off his meds and, like, really gets into, like, his... It's it's really it's as for as amazing as it is it's a it's a gross feeling to be in there. Uh, she she said something amazing. Uh, I I did that with Sean 
Uh, Sean Hayes, the host of the Whip Around podcast, co-host. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, and Phil. <laughs> no, he's like he's like you. He's he's just been like the the co the the guest for how many episodes in a row? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, no, he uh, he pointed out that uh, that Oates has this quote saying, "I wish I could do more stories like Zombie, but I physically and mentally can't." <laughs> mm, and it's like, yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty hard to be in there. But um, yeah, no, that's what it is with the perspective. But yeah, uh, Gabriel. Yeah. So Christy, to you then, did so you were kind of meh on the story, or uh, you're you're curious enough to like open the door to more oats, but yeah, the corn maiden itself just didn't do much for you. You know, I think I just had um, I think I was just hoping that I would feel the same way that I did about other stuff that I've read, and I just didn't, and I. I think that part of it is what you guys were talking about, kind of like when we're shown the first person perspective of the, the people in the novel, like they're not likable, mm-hmm. even though they're it's reasonable, those things that they're reading, but it's distracting for me, I think, to read a book and being like, ah, fucking Michael. <laughs> what a douche. Like, why did he change his name? Also, uh, at the end, she's like, by the way, the dad was murdered. Yeah. I want to know... I, I want nothing to do with that ending unless the way he was murdered is revealed in a short story later in the book. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just... It just uh, goes Ju- to Judith's show... dad, right? No, it's, um, it's Marissa's dad. Marissa's dad, okay. Marissa. It mm-hmm. just goes to show what's not important to these characters at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the mom does not give a fuck. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I would say like after thinking about how I felt about it and the the things that it makes me think about about like the very ending being the worst part of it like the scariest <laughs> part of it basically like I think that it's good I think it makes you think about stuff in a good way um, but no one was good so it wasn't an enjoyable read that's mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so that's it's like i hate i hate all these people <laughs> mm-hmm. and i just want to know what happened someone someone agrees with john gardner who <laughs> john gardner in my research i said that he the author john gardner said told joe scarlett's is like you know you should try writing a novel where something good oh happens. yeah and she has not done that <laughs> this is a happy ending sort of as happy as it gets. <laughs> as happy as it gets. It's Boy. a love story. They find love. It's a love story. Yay. Love. She finds love with fire. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Let's move on just because we're going a bit long. Gabriel, <laughs> what, what, how do you like or dislike the story? Uh, after, one extreme or the other. There's no middle. <laughs> yeah, after, after all I've said, I didn't like this one that mm-hmm. much. I thought it was okay. I really like the craft of it. That I, I always appreciate what she does. Even a Triumph of the Spider Monkey, which has been by far the least, like, the thing of yeah. I've liked the least. Uh-huh. This one, it's like what, what Christy said. I was, I was trying to put my finger on it and that it feels contemporary in a way that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. That it, it really made me think of um that... In, in terms of, like, if Joyce Carol Oates is going to write in a contemporary, like, horror, suspense, psychological kind of thing, Gillian Flynn is doing this thing, but better now. Mm-hmm. That it made me think of, like, Gone Girl, which is really one of my favorite books, period. It's I love it. And To be fair, Gillian Flynn hasn't been trying to do that for, what, 10 years now? Pretty much. Yeah. So Gillian Flynn also a huge... Um, uh, Jayco's a I huge like influence Gillian. on Gillian yeah. Flynn. <laughs> so I felt that this one, it, it didn't measure up to me to her more like Baroque, to her more Gothic work. Mm. I liked Mystery Inc. from a couple of weeks way more than this one. Mm-hmm. This one I felt like was, was long and it felt a little 
mired in the human emotion, but that's all her intention. It's all about putting yourself in the head of a panicking mother who is scared and also worried about her perception in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all masterfully done, but did I enjoy it? No. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I felt like, wow, this is 140 pages of me feeling very uncomfortable. And I don't <laughs> feel better knowing how it ends. Yeah. I wouldn't want, oftentimes, like with a suspenseful movie or something, I'll rewatch it. I'll, I'll have a bad time. And I'll, and then it's it ends in a way that I'm like, okay, I get what it was doing. Mm-hmm. I just watched him, uh, uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which is this beautiful film that came out this year about a young Pennsylvanian woman who um, uh, must go to New York with her cousin to get an abortion. And it's a hard movie to watch for obvious reasons. Like the whole movie is, it's, a, it's written and directed and starring women and it's about like, the everyday predatory glimpses, the glances of men, and I, I don't know what that's like. I have no idea. But the movie made me feel it, and it made me feel real weird. And the way the movie ends, I'm like, okay, it was always heading to this point, and I get it now, and it's wonderful, and I'll revisit it. Something like this, I'm like, it ends, it starts not that broken, ends very broken with a smile, and I'm like, oof. <laughs> this was not a good time. This is this is an incredibly well written story, but I I I I think it's a lesser one for me anyway. Daniel, what about you? How did you feel about the corn maiden? <clears throat> well, I read it uh, two years ago. Ah, and um, in the far flung year, like yeah, ten years ago. Ten years ago, twenty eighteen. Um, <laughs> and essentially, yeah, no, I came into this kind of like how I wanted y'all to come into this is like, oh, this is like a very popular award winning story of hers. Um, I'm trying to think about anything that's like won like as many awards in the past like 20 years as this story, but I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, Fox Fire was 90s. Um, so yeah, but like you go into it and it's like a kind of like middle of road one. It's it's good, mm-hmm. I would say. It reminds me almost um, of uh, one that we done before last year, which was the Doll Master. Yeah. Which was something, which was, uh, you know, to use uh, Christie's word, it's very contemporary. Mm-hmm. Or it definitely feels contemporary. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because like... The Dollmaster, that was a book that, that, that short story collection came out two years ago, and I think that story came out, it was around then, so it definitely really, it really was. But like, uh, Mystery Inc., for example, as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, that came out like several years ago. Yeah. So, uh, Christy, so you know, Mystery Inc. is a first person narrative written from the point of view of a uh, mystery bookstore owner who idolizes like Edgar Allan Poe and on purpose she writes it from his first person narrative as a guy who reads too much Edgar Allan Poe (laughs) it's really really awesome aww and uh yeah so like so yeah no uh this definitely is uh, more contemporary like that. So like, it, it feels like, it feels good. I, I always say like, like, man, this is like an accessible one. <laughs> I guess. You know, it's less literary, mm-hmm. you know? Cause out of anything, not not saying Christy is, is definitely not not a not literary person. You you read books, you read your Asimovs and your-, and your uh, 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 O'Brien's. Uh, O'Brien's. Yeah, 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 I know how to read. Yeah, <laughs> you have you have read, which is, which is, which is good. <laughs> I, I, I sort of know how to read okay as well. Um, <laughs> So like, but yeah, but I was thinking like, maybe this is like an accessible one. Maybe this is like one that like you kind of like start people on. And like, I guess I, the reaction I, is kind of like, no, <laughs> I wouldn't personally that like for me, this, this feels like it's like what I said that it feels like a, a modern, if, if it feels like, uh, what Gillian, like a, a Gillian Flynn first draft uh-huh. where like, like, oh, she's, she's doing another style. 
that and I think that in this contemporary mode, I think Joyce Carol Oates excels more writing in a more old fashioned style. Mm-hmm. Or writing even more abstract or lyrical, and this one because it it, it feels like like an expressionist painting mm-hmm. of of a Gillian Flynn story, where I think Gillian Flynn paints an ugly story, but it's so the foundation is built to be like oh we're in a firm tale of this yeah. and doing it it feels like a weird like. You know, you, you know that weird hat and a hat and a hat of Depeche Mode inspired um uh, Nine Inch Nails, and then Nine Inch Nails is an album that's inspired by Depeche Mode, and Depeche Mode is an album inspired by Nine Inch Nails, and it feel it's not diluted, but it feels slightly distorted in a way. I'm like, you could just do the thing you already do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, okay, but um, that's that's basically how I feel about it. Uh, we're going it's a like bit long. Nine Inch Nails. So let's uh, let's just teeth. let's just move on to uh the, the next thing that we need to do with this story. It's a little thing brought to us by old buddies on the East Coast, the Whip Around Podcast, <gasps> a hard right leaning, <laughs> just just real Fox affiliated kind of show. Yeah, they're our uh, sister show. <laughs> yeah, they're our sister show. Uh, 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 uh doctors, uh, <laughs> Phil yeah. Laporta and uh, Shawnee B Horny, aka Ev- Shawnee B Hayes. Everyone, please listen to the Whip Around Podcast. Whip Around is one word. It comes out every Whip Around Wednesday where Doctor Phil Laporta and Shawnee B Hayes talk about all things weird news, macabre, and science. They're our good friends. They're our kissing cousin podcast, and we love them very much. So, um, in honor of Shawnee B Hayes, co-host of that show, Daniel, many many years from now, actually no, Christy, many many years <laughs> from now, you're gonna look back into the through the mists of time, and someone's gonna say, "Do you like Joyce Carol Oates? I bought the Corn Maiden. What will you remember as your hazy memory? Feeding my rat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah 100 oh, i'm sorry feeding the rat gabriel what is your hazy memory oh boy there was a lot for for me i think the thing that that sticks with me is that earlier bit with leah panicking mm-hmm. and her mind is darting from oh i bought too much beer from the indian guy they're gonna judge me for that oh and i definitely had that affair with that guy for me like that's the thing that sticks with me the most we, we talked very little about jude in this whole episode which is interesting to me interesting because she's kind of like the almost like the main character she's almost the central character yeah. to it but i mean i just, she I, almost, just... I think she didn't even matter to me and i think that <laughs> she didn't matter to anyone and yeah. i think that's why she was so crazy we, we kind mm-hmm. of step sidestepped around about like her Dubstep. kind of like trauma and like the fact that she's like this young child who kind of grew up in this massive dilapidated mansion that's like being shut off like she has like apparently she comes from like family quote unquote huh, does Joyce Carol write about things like that she, she almost I don't know if she ever does um, but uh and she's like basically been like with like her grandmother and I forgot her parents what did her parents die in a car crash is that what I happened? think that was it I uh, yeah know. I forgot what it was um, so like yeah and, and apparently like this kind of like loneliness and kind of like being yeah this like weird like sense of entitlement adolescent like you know adolescent changes like yeah. basically compelled her to kind of yeah, feeling be this ugly person. feeling ignored and also loving having power over people yeah like we kind of sidestepped around all that but that's it hazy memory <laughs> yeah no basically it, it is just Leah's memories of like like that that's the thing that's gonna stick with me the most where like I don't know. I don't know if you, but you guys, but like, I've been in a couple car accidents. None of them my fault, amazingly enough. And my first thought is, oh gosh, oh no, my car. What, what's gonna happen to my my insurance? And then I think, oh god, another person might be seriously hurt. And then I immediately like jump to action on that. So for me, like that that the the inherent selfishness of people is always a thing. And I think that's what Joyce Carol Oates writes really well. Mm-hmm. 
Dana, what mm-hmm. about you? What is your hazy memory? I'm trying to think what are my hazy memories. My like when I think of the story, I feeding think the rat. The first one was very is very much goes to um, uh, Leah, like uh, specifically the moment when she kind of like gives up the fact that she had this affair. That that's like what she was doing that day, mm-hmm. and like how it was the thing that she feared the most going into this. But when it eventually happens, she's just like she's like like he's like thanks for ruining my life, and then like never answers again. And she's like I don't care. This is all about my child right now and everything mm-hmm. like that. That again we. I read this story before reading Feral, the the horror story about like you know a mother and whatnot, uh, and and like so like that's kind of like that. Th- this is what I had in my mind when I was reading that story. So I, I think that would be my literal hazy memory. Hmm. Yeah, I think hmm. that's what it would be like that that moment of of yeah. Okay, Leah's story. Joyce Carol Oates. But okay, Joyce cool. Carol Oates. Joyce Carol Oates. We're coming back to you next week. Yes. But we're putting this book away in the. Boom! I'm Soft a, bin over there. I'm gonna take a picture of that book in the garden tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that said, we have some other things. Oh, let's talk briefly about what we're gonna do next week. We're gonna have a guest on Gabriel. Yes, we are continuing Oatstober, our annual celebration of Joyce Carol Oates in the month of October, by having another wonderful guest. We will be having Malu Morones, the co-host of AP Film by Film School Professionals, along with Katie Kometz. She has not yet told us what story she's doing, but um, look forward to that, all you fans of AP Film. Malu's gonna be in the show with us. It'll be her first time, and I can't wait. Malu is very fun very cool very smart yes four out of five stars Malu yes she doesn't listen to the show <laughs> yeah, she doesn't three fu- three stars now <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a let's go around the horn Christy uh, is there anything that you want to plug kind of like lead people to follow or where can people find you um, follow me at Christy Brennan on social media or all downhill pod if you want to listen to my podcast uh, or just google my podcast because it's up everywhere Yay. 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 <laughs> Gabriel, plug. Um, ladies and gentlemen, as always, please check out Self-Evident Asian America's Stories. It is a wonderful cultural heritage documentary podcast. Season two going on strong. Um, I contributed to season one, um, episode three, the talk we were supposed to have. It's about my life. It was very, very difficult, and I'm very proud of it. And um, uh, it was featured on both the AV Club and San Francisco Public Radio, so give that a listen. Also, please check out our other Top Gallant radio show, as I just mentioned. It is called AP Film by Film School Professionals, where Katie Kometz and Malo Morones did not get to go to film school, so they created their own film school curriculum. They're in the middle of Spooktober. They're talking about all their favorite horror films. They're a great time. We hope to have some video content for them ready as soon as possible. Give them a review. Give them a subscribe. Give them a listen. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at read.richards. Read like reading a book. Daniel! Yeah, <clears throat> you can follow me on Twitter at Top Gaunt Radio. Uh, you can buy all. You can check out all my fiction anywhere you get your ebook retailers. But specifically, if you go to Amazon, you can get them in paperback. They are a Cook in the Kingdom and the Shadow from the Deep. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point people out to two podcasts. One of them is Guru, uh, the Wondery Show that came out during the summer. I contributed to that. Yo. And also, I can mention it briefly because it has been announced in social media. Doctor Death season two is coming out soon, and it's been announced. I uh, helped with the project, Yay. and I'm very excited 
to kind of like see what everyone feels about that because everyone really liked the first season. I haven't even heard what the trailer. Well, I literally can just go into the files and listen to it, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but like, I, I haven't even heard the trailer. I didn't cut the trailer together, so I'm so curious what it's going to sound like. So, everyone out there, Doctor Your Death season two is coming out soon. Yeah, and Daniel worked on it. Woo, yay. yay! It's very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> But they, like I'll be playing video games in the living room, and Daniel will kind of like stagger out, bleary eyed, and I'm like, "What up, baby boy?" And he'll be like, "Ah, iced tea." That's not even that one. I think that the it's one of the other ones that I, I can specifically oh, point yeah, out, like the one, one that's that's pretty ups- that can be pretty upset, and it's just a mixture between them. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway, uh, but that said, thank you so much for being on the show, Christy. Christy, it's You're always such a pleasure me. to have you. You're a wonderful guest, and mm-hmm. we love having you. Yay! Thanks for having me. So, so Chrissy, the next time you're on, is it going to be one of those annoying like forequels, or is this gonna? Are we just gonna move? <laughs> or are we gonna do like the popular thing and go into like prequel territory? <laughs> oh, I think mm. we should do prequels for Pre- sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Before, before when you're back when you're reading uh, uh, a- a- Asimov, we need to interview that Christy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll channel that energy. It's going to be annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Christy, you're welcome back on our show anytime you want. It's always a pleasure to have you. Mm -hmm. Next time you read something good, or if you just feel like guesting on someone's show, or if um, uh, next time it's all downhill, has another um, milestone, just please let us know. We'd love to have you back. Yes, thank you. And that said, now is the time for the show to end. Oh, God, bye. Da-da. Top Gallant Radio. Brought to you by Daniel Gonzalez and Gabe Mara. 